This is the Rational Perspective. I'm Alec Hogg. And in this episode, Claudius van Veek talks to us about Deepak Chopra, holism, and the concept of Ubuntu. Among the advantages of living in London is its spectacular access to the greatest that the world has to offer. And this week we were in the packed house at the Royal Festival Hall on the South Bank of London to absorb two and a half hours of wisdom from the 71-year-old best-selling author and alternative medicine advocate Deepak Chopra. He covered a lot of ground in those couple hours, among the topics being the way that each member of our species is connected to each other one both through the atoms that are the base of our physicality and through our consciousness. Well, if that's the case, you've got to ask, why is the world in such a mess? Claudius van Veek, a director of Transformation Strategies Limited, is deeply knowledgeable in this field of holism, uh, being, of all the people I know, the one who's best studied the creator of the concept, the polymath Jan Smuts, who served as a field marshal of the Allied forces during World War II, as Prime Minister of South Africa, and as the only non-British Chancellor of Cambridge University. Claudius, before we talk about Jan Smuts, Deepak Chopra, does the name ring many bells for you? Yes, it does, Alec, and good to talk with you. You know, I have had the, I've had the opportunity to meet with him, and I've had the opportunity to share a platform with him very briefly. And that happened during the World Summit in South Africa, the Johannesburg World Center on Sustainable Development in 2002, where we had organized a, a participation in the World Summit. He was running a conference in South Africa, and he gave me 10 minutes on his platform to come and promote the idea of sustainability for the Gondwana mega continent uh, in, in the initiative that we were looking at there. So what was interesting about the meeting with him his focus was on human healing, not only of the individual and of communities, but it was deeply integrated in planetary healing. And so there was a marvelous synthesis of the World Summit opportunity and the conference that he was running. Okay. So, mm. yes, met him and have shared a platform with him, Alec. I could have done with you yesterday. I can tell you there was a scrum of dozens of people. I wanted to say hundreds because it felt like hundreds. But there were just so many people around him after this event uh, wanting to have their books signed. I'm sure that uh, Foyles did a fantastic trade. Uh, he's, he's just got a new book out. But this is a, he's a heavyweight. You, it's not every, every uh, speaker who can fill the Royal Festival Hall, that's for sure. No, he is a very compelling speaker. And I remember that the very first time I heard a tape of him, um, which was a long time ago. I guess that was already in the late 80s when he was a very young man. And he had worked as an endocrinologist in the United States. And he made this statement. He said that most of the people who die in the United States in hospital die from what is called iatrogenic disease. And then he said iatrogenic disease is a disease that you get um, in the hospital because of the particular kind of bugs that they have there. So he says, so this means that most people who die in hospital are simply dying because they go to hospital. 
Yeah. And that was his opening statement. Wow. And he said, there's got to be a different way of looking at human wellness. And that certainly captured my attention. But it also highlights the point that you're making is that he's a very erudite and eloquent speaker. He's a very compelling writer. And even though sometimes his science is seen by some of the more purest scientific people as being bordering on what is called pseudoscience, um, my own view is that his interpretation of the, uh, the subatomic world, his knowledge of quantum mechanics, is actually pointing to what could be feasible, even though it's not absolutely verifiable. He's compelling. He is compelling, and he certainly had us in the palm of his hand last night for those two and a half hours, including including a meditation. But there were a few things, there were a lot of things about what he said that resonated and stayed with me. But before we move on to them, interesting the point you make that he is actually a doctor, and he practiced as a, as a, as a specialist, uh, and he said that he couldn't understand why people that he was treating suddenly became well when they changed their diet. And that got him on his voyage of discovery, which which started many years ago. But one of the things that he said that I, I, I really felt um, res- would resonate with you, given your your views on uh, or your your understanding of holism, was he said if you if you break us down as human beings to the very basic, then our atoms are continuously changing. That and in fact, if you have a look at where our atoms come from. Half of what makes us up didn't even come from our own galaxy. And when you start thinking of these things, and the way he described the galaxy, our galaxy was called the Milky Way, was one of two trillion galaxies. Yes. And, and that the Milky Way has got 60, I think he said 60 billion planets, 60 billion yes. planets like Earth, uh, or in the sweet spot where there could be life. So it's just an extraordinary uh, way of, of putting us all into perspective, but but his real point here was that we're all interconnected. Everybody, out, my atoms, if the two of us are sitting in the room and we're breathing out, some of my atoms are going into your body, some of your atoms are coming into my body, and he just used that as a way of showing that our connectivity is so much deeper than what we're aware of on, on a day-to-day level. Is, is this all crazy stuff, pseudoscience? No, that's not pseudoscience at all. Um, if, you know, Again, if you were to look at the, of the work of Jan Smuts, who you mentioned, and particularly his address to the British Association for the Advancement of Science in 1931, where he was inaugurated, by the way, as the president of the association, and it was the grand um, event, which was the centenary conference. They have these great conferences every hundred years. Um, the speech that he made... Um, in 1931, actually amplifies exactly that thing that Deepak Chopra has been talking about, that we are a function of universal fields. We are a function of fields of information that, as this information integrates, becomes more complex, actually gives rise to the first inorganic life forms, gives rise to those becoming more complex organisms, gives rise to those getting central nervous systems, gives rise to those developing mind, gives rise to the emergence of personality. So he shows in a very, very clear root pathway, it's called ontological monism, 
It is a single developmental process that we all come from the original ground of being, and it is that original ground of being that still enables us to be in our diversity, but we're connected in that ground of being. And that has deep spiritual consequences. So what, what Deepak might or might not have referred to um, in that presentation you went to, he looks at the deep metaphysics of Ayurvedic approaches as well, mm. where they look at the sutras and they look at these fields of information and that differentiates it from our conventional materialistic science. But it's not pseudoscience. It's a new emerging holistic science, Alex. I like some of the practical stuff that he said, he, he shared with us. He said he travels a lot and the way to get over jet lag is simply take your shoes off and walk outside and walk into the ground, so on the ground, because that's, yes. you, you get into the rhythm of the earth. And he said his problem is that quite often he's in hotels and uh, there's, in a place like London, there's just concrete. There's nowhere for him to connect to the earth. So he then connects through the electricity earth on, uh, on his yoga mat. He'll lie on his yoga mat, connect through the electricity earth to the earth, and he said that gets him back into rhythm. Extraordinary, extraordinary stuff. But um, just the, 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 whole, the whole approach that he has towards the, 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 the fact that we are made of these atoms, we come from somewhere, we go back to it, it's, it's, it's an energy issue, is also, this morning I read, as you know, I read uh, Marcus Aurelius every morning, I read a little bit of meditations and, and understand yes. that. Now, this is a guy who lived 2,000 years ago. He was talking about the same thing 2,000 yes. years ago. Now, how, how, come, <laughs> how come we knew about it as a species 2,000 years ago? We now being, it's now being proven by science but we still aren't really connected. We're still in such a mess. Well, this is a very profound question. The, so you get arcane wisdom, and arcane wisdom is the wisdom that has been accessed by people that are deeply in touch with their own nature and with their context. Uh, through the centuries, arcane wisdom has been proven in its own right. So hold the notion of arcane wisdom, and then... We need to differentiate science from that. Science is the knowledge that we're able to prove by our experimentation in a laboratory. So the Western model of science, the age of modernism, really started a couple of hundred years ago. And we decided the only way to know truth is by having a hypothesis, setting up an experiment to prove that it's true, and to be able to demonstrate quantifiable results. And so truth then was shifted from the intuitive arcane wisdom, the knowing that was within us. So if we just loop this back to the statement that you made, the atom that is within you is also within me. It's exchanging. We come from the same space. We are constituted by that knowledge, by that information of the universe. And we have separated ourselves out from that with our so-called rational minds to say only this is truth. So our Western model on which all of our science is based, including our medicine, including our economics, including our political science, including our physics, has actually generated this reductionism. Mm. And the next stage of holistic science that Deepak is pointing to is to go back to a holistic view of the world, to a holistic model of existence, a new quality of science. And, uh, and so that can then explain in a way how 
it is that where modernism was supposed to solve all the problems of the world, it seems to have provided us with fantastic technology but is not able to solve the problems of the world because it doesn't address the real nature of who we are as human beings, and, as cosmic mm. beings, as he would explain it. And, and it appears also that he's uh, in line with what Albert Einstein spoke about, Stephen Hawking spoke about, that uh, there is so much more if you allow your mind to stretch and uh, and be open. Well, absolutely, you know, um, Alec, um, um, Albert Einstein made a very strange statement. He said the imagination is more powerful than knowledge. And in that statement, what he was looking at is if all of existence consists of energy and, and it is then energy that is patterned, our very engagement with that energy by our thoughts, we pattern that energy. And so that's the power of imagination. And, uh, and so what it, what it suggests is that by limiting our view of reality to only the material world, to only the hard atomic structure, and by, by ignoring the fact that back of the atom is fields of information that are gathering to create the atom in the first place as a little vortex of energy in this flux, by ignoring that, we're also ignoring the access to the deep knowledge that informs us into which we can have access. And so the model of Ayurveda and the model of Eastern mysticism, be that Taoism, be that the deep Buddhist beliefs and so forth, be that the more mystical aspects of even Hinduism, those actually stress that more spiritual nature of being of which the material reality is a temporary manifestation. And that's the space that Deepak kind of keeps a very subtle balance as somebody that is able to work within the Western scientific models, but is deeply informed by the traditions of the Ayurvedic traditions and so forth. So to that extent, he's holding a space that we would then call the holistic space, which Jan Smuts would have created a model which is which is called holism, not necessarily calling on Eastern traditions, but calling on his observation of how nature actually works, Alec. Just to close off with, and going back to Jan Smuts's homeland in South Africa or the continent of Africa, that's also where the concept of Ubuntu is is well entrenched in South Africa. How does or does that fit into it? Because clearly, the the whole Western uh, approach to life is being questioned in many ways and during Pax Americana and before that Pax, Pax Britannia um, the the African way was really looked down on but perhaps we, we there might be a case for rediscovering Ubuntu in the light of, of what the, what we're learning from Deepak Chopra, Holism, Jan Smuts, Einstein etc. Absolutely, Alex. So if we look at indigenous knowledge systems, in all indigenous knowledge systems around the world, there was an element of animism. And what animism simply means that everything is vital and alive. A rock is vital and alive. It is a manifestation of fields of information. And so those that characterized indigenous knowledge systems, we somehow... In the Western culture and in our Western thinking, we actually split these into separate domains. You might have heard about the so-called Cartesian dichotomy, where René Descartes spoke about the res extensa, 
the world that could be measured as the real province of science and reality, and the race cogitans, the world of thoughts and feelings and sentiments and beliefs, and that couldn't really be seen as scientific. So we had this split. We became a little bit psychotic in the West, but whereas in indigenous knowledge systems, they were one thing. So how does this relate to Ubuntu? In Ubuntu, I as a person cannot have an identity unless my identity is located in a common personhood. And so they will make the statement, I am because you are so that we can be. And that philosophy of Ubuntu from the indigenous knowledge systems actually talks to the very insight that Deepak Chopra is talking about, about our interconnectedness. And it is actually talking about the new holistic science frame that John Smuts was reintroducing using the best of Western philosophy and using the best of Western science, but his deep intuitive understanding of the nature of world because he was so steeped in nature itself. And so there, there's great value for us to re-engage in indigenous knowledge systems, but the place in which we can engage is not in a debate between Western science and indigenous knowledge systems, but in a new holistic platform where the best of both worlds can be synthesized into a new frame of reference that is so vital for the world going forward with all the challenges we face, Alec. Brilliant, isn't it? Claudius van Weyck pulling together Deepak Chopra, holism, concept of Ubuntu, Albert Einstein. We didn't really get to talk about Stephen Hawking, but the same place. When one expands one's mind and opens it up to new opportunities, amazing things happen. This has been rather unusual edition of the Rational Perspective. Until the next time, cheerio.